What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So we're getting really close to Halloween, and I hope you're figuring out some fun ways to celebrate this year. We have a couple things on the agenda. One of our swimmers has a swimming time trial early in the morning, two events, no parents allowed on deck, and socially distanced. So it's a bummer, but I'm glad that, I mean, not a bummer that he's doing it, but a bummer we won't be able to watch and cheer him on. But um, it's really important to keep everyone safe, and I'm really glad that he is going to be able to get out and do something, some sort of quote-unquote meet um, this year. Uh, We will do a small trunk or treating with his swim group in the evening. It's like five or six families, super small distance, so they can wear their costumes around a couple of their friends and and get to do a, sort of a little bit of trick-or-treating car to car with masks, of course, and social distancing. So that's what we're gonna do. Then we've created a scavenger hunt for the kids as well to do around our home. So they'll have a couple of opportunities to wear their costumes and enjoy and celebrate their Halloween in some way. So we'll be getting the big candy bars this year and um, because they won't be getting much otherwise. So I'm excited about that. I think they'll find that really fun and exciting when they go to the trunk or treat and also around to the scavenger hunt locations and they have big candy bars to choose from. So that'll be fun. So I'm excited about all of that and it'll certainly be a Halloween to remember and I 
And not just think, I mean, our children will be talking about this when they are grown up with their friends, to their own kids, you know, when they go to college, when they're older, when they meet their spouse or they're dating, they'll be like, hey, remember that Halloween in 2020 during the pandemic? You know, what did you guys do for that? What did you, what happened in your house? So it'll be definitely be something that our children will bond over for the rest of their lives in this generation. I get generations, I guess, since we have some teens and some younger kids that are uh, going through this. Okay, so I have three questions today. They should be relatively short, so I should be able to get to all of them. So I was running quite a few months behind on the questions. I've been able to do some catch up because I haven't done any special episodes and I've been able to do some of these with two questions per episode. So I've been able to pull that gap back by almost two months. So that's good, we're getting caught up there. First question is about possessiveness we often see in young toddlers. A second question is about helping a young child with transitions between one home and another with divorced parents who are co-parenting. The third question is about language development. A mom has a question about a struggle with his language development and is wondering if it's something she should be concerned about. So the first question is from Erica and she wrote, Hey, I recently found your podcast and have really appreciated your insights. My two-year-old, 27 months, and I love that you put the months in there because that's really helpful because just two and almost three, there's a huge difference, so that's really helpful. She often screams at other children and yells, no, that's mine. She'll also yell, no, that's my mommy, whenever another kid raises their voice or shows the slightest elevated emotion. Do you have any advice on how to help her? I've been trying to calmly talk to her about what she's feeling, but she will just keep screeching or burst into tears. Okay, so we're going to talk about this developmental stage. Starting around 18 months, I have covered this before, but I'm going to cover some new tips in here. And just to recover this background, and I know there's a ton of episodes and for people who just start listening to go back and listen to them all. So I want to cover this developmental stage again. It's always a good reminder for those who have heard it and to give a basic um, background understanding for this question. I want to get into it again. So sometimes it's earlier. But for most toddlers, it is that 18 months to two years old, they will start their individuation stage, their first individuation stage, there's more to come, where they are developing a strong sense of self. So this is the first time they're really starting to develop their sense of self, who they are. This is an important step to development. They need to have a strong sense of self before they can then develop an understanding of the other how the other's thoughts, feelings, and experiences are different from their own. So first, we have to get through this developmental phase and support it with understanding, but also guiding and teaching. I'm going to talk about how to do that in just a minute. But first, what does this stage look like and why? Your toddler is realizing she is a separate person from others. She's learning about herself, what she likes, what she wants. And so we often see a lot of strong opinions in this age. Therefore, a lot of strong emotions and tantrums also, because not only do they have these big opinions, but they have yet to develop their full language skill and their logical brain to counteract their big opinions. So life is often frustrating at two and three, and the result is tantrums over wanting things the way they want them or wanting to do what they want to do. And that includes over items and people they see as theirs because they're developing this strong sense of self they're also attaching to their toys and items around the house. So how do we help them through these exchanges when they're developing so much of these needed pieces physically, emotionally, and socially? 
First, you can give your toddlers and kids some power of ownership. You give them ownership and power over their special toys. It's a really good way to build their security around their ownership and control of some things in their lives, and for them, it's their toys. This way, they will feel less stressed and more secure when at an outing, like a park, or when friends come over. Now, each child should have a few special toys that they don't need to share, whether it's during an outing or at home. A lot of kids will have a special lovey, a special blanket, a special truck. Um, you know, every kid has at least one special toy that is really, really close to them that is their special well, one or two special toys. Boy, I said special a lot. Okay, you want to make a plan. So if it's at home, you want to take that special toy or toys and put them away. If it's going on an outing, it's best to leave it at home if possible. Have that conversation about leaving it at home, how Teddy will be safer at home or Red Truck will be safer at home and other kids won't be so interested in trying to play with that. Maybe we should leave it at home. If that doesn't go over well, if it's something they really want to have or snuggle with or bring, or if you're going to be out potentially during nap time, if they fall asleep in the stroller or the car and they really like that special lovey, bring it, but then encourage leaving it in the car or in the stroller while you're out, especially if you're at the park. You can leave it in the stroller, put it under a blanket once you get there. Then they have the security of their special toy with them, but they can be more likely to share the other toys that they agreed upon before leaving, like a shovel or a sand bucket, something smaller, a little less important to them. Even then, understand that most really young toddlers in the early to mid twos can still really struggle with this. So do the best you can to encourage and remind that they have a special toy that they chose, and then that these are the ones that they chose to allow other kids to play with, to share. Now, if it's a big struggle, especially if other kids aren't even playing with the toys or paying any attention to the toys, you can just put them away and try again another day. Or you can allow the kids to continue to engage in play. So if you have other kids that are like really playing with the bucket and the sand shovel and the toys, and they're really having a good time and you feel like obviously you don't want to grab them away from some other people's kids or try to wrestle them away, you're gonna pull your toddler aside and explain that the other kids are using them, that we are gonna let them finish, but we will be sure to bring them home with us when it's time to go. If you have the special toy, you could offer to let them go back and sit in their stroller and hug their teddy bear or their special blanket, whatever they have, and then go back to share with the other kids. That might help calm them down as well. Now, the biggest thing to note is that this is very normal. These toys feel really important to them. Think of an adult with a new car, maybe a BMW i8, that's my dream car, at least today it is right now, or a Porsche that they just bought and the neighbor wants to drive it. Or worse yet, the neighbor comes over, and not that that's terrible, but the neighbor comes over, sits in the car with your keys, somehow got a hold of your keys, sits in the car and starts to put the keys in the ignition. You're like, whoa, whoa, man, what are you doing? This is how your toddler feels about their special toy, their lovey, their special truck. This is a big deal, some other kid picking this up. It's like somebody sitting in your brand new, shiny new expensive car and getting ready to kind of take off and drive it and you're not really sure how they're gonna treat it. This is a big, this is a big deal to them. But the lesser toys, they're still a big deal. Um, it can still feel like someone is infringing on their stuff. It's like someone coming into your house, kind of rifling through your mail, maybe looking through your cabinets, the dishes, pulling them out, getting a drink of water. Um, you know, especially if it's something you don't know real well. Family member, all good, um, hopefully, maybe, in some cases. But 
But, you know, someone you just met, maybe a little weird, feels a little weird. This is how they feel about it. So it can be anxiety provoking when another child comes in and starts picking up everything to check it out. So just understanding this can help us have some empathy with them and help us help them work through the insecurities because we understand how this feels uncomfortable to them around letting other kids play with their toys, helping them understand that this is okay, that this is normal, these are new to them, they're excited to pick them up and touch them, that you're going to make sure that everything is well taken care of, everything's going to stay in your house. Also know that as they develop their strong sense of self and then begin to develop their understanding of the other, that this will get much better. It will go away. They will get better at sharing and taking turns as you work with them as they age and as they get into those ages where they're, once they get back to doing more at school, will get more practice with this in their preschool as well. But this is a developmental stage. Now, if the play date is in your home, obviously you can't hide all the toys um, but a few items like the special items. So you'll put those up and put those away so that Teddy or Blanky or Red Truck um, aren't one of the toys that another child comes in and picks up and starts to play with if it's something that's really special to them and important to them. But it also gives them control, gives them control over that piece, over those few toys. It can help them feel more secure about allowing kids to play with the other toys. And then just like at the park, you're going to explain to them that your friends want to come in and play with their toys, just like when you when he goes to their house or she goes to their house, that she's going to want to or he's going to want to pick up their toys and play with their toys as well. And just help them work through those feelings of that. And rather than ask their feelings, especially when they're young, you may want to tell them what you're seeing. It looks like you're feeling anxious. It looks like you're feeling upset about your um, toys all being touched and moved. And then help them work through that, help explain that this is normal, that, you know, that our friends like to play with our toys, and that help them find something else they can engage in that can hopefully get their mind off of it. Or maybe you can move everybody to snack time, something like that, if they start to get too worked up. If you want to learn more about teaching your toddler or preschooler about turn-taking and sharing and how to practice with them, and you would start this around the age of two and a half to three. Because parents can offer a lot more opportunity for control in this environment to push the boundary of their discomfort, allow the child to feel a little bit frustrated, a little bit uncomfortable with sharing the toy or taking a turn with the toy with the idea and then give the item back before they get overly frustrated, before they go over the edge and start to have a tantrum or get too upset that you then have to do the whole calm down. It's a really great opportunity to teach the concept of taking turns and sharing outside of a play date where you have a lot less control. So the exact steps on helping your children through this, the language that you would use, exactly how you would do this, is found in the class You're Developing Preschooler under the social skills section. You can always do some practice and introduction of these concepts before two and a half to see how it goes. Some will be receptive, but for most, it likely won't really take hold and may be more frustrating than helpful before they get to the age of two and a half to three. But give it a try, see how it goes. Again, if you need the steps for that, there's exact steps on how to start introducing the concept and then how to practice it with your child on that class you're developing preschool or on the website, yourvillageonline.com. When we get back after a word from our sponsor, I will finish my last few thoughts on this question, including dealing with the possessiveness over mom or another parent, as well as the next two questions on limited visitation with a second parent and 
having smoother transitions, as well as a mom with a question about a potential red flag in her child's language development. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy-to-digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. By Heart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. By Heart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Now that we're back after the break, it's time to get back to the questions, starting with how to deal with possessiveness over a parent when other kids are around and engaging with that parent. Now, when it comes to a child getting upset over her mom or his mom, you can validate that, yes, you are their mom, that she will be the only one coming home with you and being tucked in by you and having lunch made by you, but that it's okay for you to say hello and talk with other kids too. Now, in this instance, we're talking about friends, so all that would be true. You can have similar situations with siblings also. And if you're having that issue with siblings, I recommend the class Siblings Without Rivalry, where I discuss how to introduce a new baby to minimize rivalry. I talk about steps to building a strong sibling relationships. Therefore, it decreases the sibling rivalry, helping them through rivalry, as well as some general tips on fighting and bickering that siblings very often engage in. Now, also in that same vein for parents with multiple children, the class on birth order is really interesting. It covers 
personality traits and struggles that are common in each birth order position, plus the variables that will affect those personality traits and struggles. Now, while every child absolutely is different and no one's gonna fit the mold exactly, and some kids may not, but most will, and there are a lot of commonalities based on birth order. I also cover multiples and only children as well. So it's really interesting to see how kids fit into these common traits of their birth order and even ourselves. It's interesting to look at ourselves and how and where we fit and where we might fall outside as well. And it's just interesting information to keep in mind and it can and should shape how we approach discipline differently with each child. That is going to affect the way we approach discipline and how it how they will take discipline. So it's really a, a great class to have as, uh, as part of the foundation. So for us, our oldest is the cookie cutter oldest. Our daughter also takes on a lot of characteristics of an older child, but this is also common when it's the first sibling of a different gender than the others. Now her twin brother from super early on took on the characteristics of the youngest. And, you know, I was still, and even though he's kind of, the middle child in a way, he, he really is more the youngest because I sort of have two oldest and a youngest and no middle child is sort of how it works out for us. So I was still dressing him a few months after he turned three and he was totally fine with it. Like he was just like, I could have dressed him until I don't know when. Finally, I was just like, this is enough. You're capable of dressing yourself. His sister had been dressing herself for probably over a year. She's super, super persistent and independent. Um, so finally, I was like, I will pull your clothes out if you want me to, but you need to start dressing yourself. And I just thought it was funny once it actually dawned on me and found myself wondering how long he actually would have let me dress him. And it probably would have gone well into his fours, maybe even to five years old. Okay, that was a bit of a tangent, but hopefully that's interesting for you. And especially if multiple children or you are in a multiple children household or grew up in a multiple children household. And those classes, the Siblings Without Rivalry, the birth order, of course, on the website, yourvillageonline.com. They should be listed on the pages for every single age group. So if you go to the homepage, we have it listed out by infants, toddlers, and preschoolers, school-age children, and tweens and teens, because those are hold true for all age levels. So those classes should be listed under every age group page. The next question is from Lindsay. She wrote, hello, I was wondering if you had any advice on a child who sees his father every few months. My son is four and is very anxious and likes control and consistency. My ex and I do not parent the same way and my son literally dreads going to his dad's who lives out of state. Any tips on how to make the transition smooth? When should I tell my son he's going to his dad's? Usually when I tell him, he will have anxiety and nonstop questions all week. I want him to be as comfortable as possible. I know a lot of this behavior is caused by not seeing his father consistently. Thank you. So this is a great question. And, you know, this is a challenging situation. And hopefully, it, it sounds like you haven't said a lot, but it sounds like you may have some um, amicable relationship with your ex. So hopefully you do enough to be able to work together for your son's best interest for these smooth transitions. Hopefully um, it's a situation where you are able to approach him, share the tips with him so he can implement some of them as well. And this will also help his relationship with his son, especially over the long haul, over the long term as his son ages. So first, I will say this is very, very common. Often kids will get comfortable at one house and not want to go to the other house, and it will actually go both ways. 
Now, if he's spending a month with you, and actually you said two months with you, and then a weekend with your ex, then likely he's only going to go through this when he has to transition from your house to his dad's. But if he's staying with his dad for longer, if he's staying with his dad for a week or more during that two-month visit, that every two-month visit, he may actually start to get comfortable and settle in there and have a little bit of anxiety about coming back to your house as well. Because, you know, it's just about getting settled in, and especially if it's a little shorter, just getting settled in, and then it's time to switch back. So it's just about being comfortable where we are in the routine, and then it's time to switch again. Also know that your parenting style will greatly benefit your son and your relationship with him. Whatever relationship patterns you set up is the relationship patterns that you will have with him, regardless of the style the other parent is using. So if the other parent is more authoritarian or more permissive, it is unlikely to affect how the child behaves with you within reason, right? The first few days back can be a readjustment for many children for many reasons. If it's a super permissive household and they're up late at night and they're not getting having a, a solid bedtime, of course that's going to affect them and getting them back into that schedule um, is going to take a few days. But after that, he should bounce back quickly to your relational patterns, to your rules and in your home. As they get older, they will get better at readjusting as well. Also, I will say, and I don't know how different the parenting styles are, that children do also benefit, in most cases, as long as obviously it's not abusive, from different rules in different homes and understanding there's just different rules at different places, just like there's different rules at school that there are at home. They can um, actually really flourish and learn different ways of uh, coping and dealing and um, problem solving in having two different parents who have different ways of approaching things. So here are my suggestions. So if he isn't already, having his dad video chat with him every day if possible, just five minutes, you know, your son's four, so he's not going to hold his attention super long, but if they can just sit down for five minutes and it's in the schedule every day, so it's every morning when he wakes up or right at bedtime before you start doing bedtime routine, this can keep that relationship much more connected, which will really help when it's time to go see him. Even if it's three days a week, that's still a solid effort and it will help a lot. Number two, when it's a few days out from going to dad, so I wouldn't do more than a few days, especially at four years old, um, is that's when you can start bringing it up. And dad should start talking about how excited he is to see him and what he's looking forward to doing together. Number three, if dad can plan a couple of things and let him know what those things are and talk them up, going to the lake to fish, going to the pumpkin patch to pick out a pumpkin and carve it. Obviously, that'd be something around this time of year they might do together taking him to the car show, whatever it is that dad even likes to do, what his interests are that he wants to share with his son. Now, I know not every dad is this kind of dad. Hopefully your ex, despite your differences and despite the parenting differences, is that kind of dad who does plan some things during their time together, shares his interests, connects with his son on some different levels and ways. And as your son gets older, that will be easier for him as well. They get to this age now where you can get out and start to do more, talk more, share more. So hopefully that will help that relationship and that connection also. Number four, if dad is planning a few things, you talking it up with him will help tremendously also. I hear you're going fishing at the lake this time. I can't wait to hear all about it. You know, getting excited, getting him excited about it, that will help. Number five, maintaining the video chat schedule with you while he's with his dad. So if he chats with his dad every day, 
or every other day at bedtime, he should do the same thing with you while he's with his dad. That way it just keeps that connection going both ways while he's with each parent. Next, our question about language development from Bethany. She wrote, hi, Erin, I've been enjoying your podcast for a few weeks and I appreciate your incredibly helpful content. I have a question of my own and I'm hoping that if it has come up before, maybe you would consider addressing it someday. I have a two and a half year old son who has developed an occasional stutter. He has a pretty extensive vocabulary and is otherwise pretty articulate and enunciates well. We saw... But sometimes he just seems to get stuck and repeats a word or syllable over and over before moving on. It seems to ebb and flow, worse on some days than others. Should I be concerned or be doing anything to help him? Or should I just continue to let him work through this? Generally, we don't comment or press him. We just wait until he's been able to complete his thought and move on, as if nothing is unusual, which I have felt would be best for him. I'm afraid that commenting on it or drawing attention to it could make him aware of it and potentially make it worse. Any help is appreciated. Thanks. Another great question. So, and this is a quick question, so that's why I wanted to add this third one on here. The short answer is there's absolutely no need to worry if your toddler has or preschooler has a stutter. It's really common early on when they're just learning to speak, and it's exactly that. They get stuck. Their language abilities are developing so rapidly at this point, so much new vocabulary, so many thoughts, and they're just kind of getting tied up in their head. So their mouth or their brain is working faster than their mouth can work, and so they're just getting a little stuck. So the fact that it comes and goes and that it sounds like his language is very much on track, if not ahead otherwise, means I wouldn't worry about it at all. In the language development section of the You're Developing Toddler class, I mentioned this as a very common phenomenon in all the common milestones for speech, the sounds they will make, the vocabulary, language concepts that they will pick up um, at each particular age. Like at four, they start to understand the concept of time, and you'll start to hear words related to time come in. If the stuttering gets progressively worse or continues until age five, then is when you might want to get an assessment. But it is very, very likely that he will outgrow this. So just for some a little bit more information for those who are curious, I'm going to share a couple of milestones and red flags for language development from the Or Developing Toddler class. Now, I divide these up by age and all the expected milestones in each age. And these are averages. So you want to remember that when it comes to development, there is a wide range of normal and that it is also why I cover the red flags to be aware of so that parents can know if and when they see those, it's time to get an assessment and potentially some professional assistance. So for language development from this class by two years old, they will say more words every month. They will use some one or two word questions like where kitty go bye bye. What's that? They will also put two words together more cookie, no juice, mommy book. By three years, they will have a word for almost everything. They will use two or three words to talk about and ask for things. They will use the sounds k, g, f, like f, t, t, d, and n sounds very clear, pretty clearly. Red flags. So and then there's more in that class, a lot more in that class about different ages and some other things that are uh, milestones for language development as well. But for red flags by 18 months, if they have fewer than five words, but this is only if the child is not good with receptive language skills, meaning the child does not seem to comprehend language. If you have an 18 month old who isn't talking yet, but they seem to understand your, what you're telling them and explaining to them, 
then you don't need to be concerned about them not having words yet. By two years, we expect that 50% of what they say will be understood by strangers. So if you have a two-year-old and they're not being understood, half of what they say isn't understood by strangers, they're not enunciating enough, that could be a potential red flag. By three, you will expect 75% of their language to be understood by strangers. Now, a speech therapist generally won't see a child until two and a half to three, except for an assessment and potentially for some homework. So if you are seeing any red flags before the age of two and a half, you can still get into a speech therapist, but they will just do an assessment and then they may give you some things to work on at home. If your child is still struggling with some stuff language-wise, they're falling behind at two and a half to three, that's when they will start some type of therapy, speech therapy. In addition, in the class, I cover all the ways to support development of in all areas at each age group. So the physical development, both gross and fine motor, cognitive development, language development, which technically is a part of cognitive development, but it's very particular, so I pulled it out. As a separate section, I cover social and emotional development, really important part of development. They're really working on that. Getting those emotion skills and social skills down really well at this age is going to be very, very important for their social skills moving into the elementary school five and up, also for their cognitive development going forward. All of these areas overlap and they interplay off of each other. So if your child falls behind in one area, it often affects other areas of development. So if their language development falls behind, they're going to struggle with their social skills because they can't use their language as well to explain what they need or want. And it can be very frustrating. If their physical development falls behind, the other areas of development can fall behind. Their cognitive development because they're not getting the physical interaction to problem solve certain things and learn certain cognitive concepts, that type of thing. Now, I touched on this, I think, in last week's episode or maybe in the last two weeks. Definitely somewhere in the last two weeks. I did talk about this a little bit also with the question that came in. So as always, all 58 classes, your developing infant, toddler, preschooler, siblings without rivalry, birth order, all the discipline classes, and much more can be found at yourvillageonline.com. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.